another edition of the Just Go Bike Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Wyatt, of the Iowa Bicycle Coalition. And I'm TJ Jeskowitz from RAGBRAI. Now, this is the podcast where we talk about bicycling just for the fun of it. There's going to be tales from all over the nation, so come for the bikes, stay for the fun, and leave with a smile. Smile. How's it going? Are you thought out? No, over there? it's freaking freezing. I've been on the been on the <laughs> road and driving over the frozen tundra of Iowa, snow and ice and sleet and icicles and what the flip is going on in our state? <laughs> so I had to go over to Des Moines on Monday and Tuesday, and and luckily I timed it just perfect, so I got in before the weather started going. I walked into the Capitol, and it's just snow's just falling like crazy and uh um did my business there on monday and suddenly um tuesday i had more meetings at the capitol and it's snowing and blowing again and so i ended up staying an extra day in des moines and then coming back on wednesday and then the roads were perfect so i can't complain but unreal yeah, Unreal. it did afford me to get some extra work done while I was there. So yeah. Tuesday, I got to present in front of the DOT Transportation Commission. Hmm. Now, normally, and in, in a lot of other states, they have the legislature make up, you know, kind of what the road plan is. But um, I was a little different. They actually have a commission that's in charge of figuring out what they're going to do with transportation in the state. And then the legislature gives them money and uh, tells them to do those things. Hmm. Um, and uh, so it, it works out pretty good, especially because it combines federal money and state money and and uh, so some administrative stuff. And it, it works out pretty good. And it's kind of an insulator so you don't politicize road building, which is gotcha. kind of a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I've, I've been um, I've been talking to a lot of road builders lately, and uh, <laughs> yeah, engineers, and you know, some some of them they talk a different language at times. So I've got to brush yeah. up on my engineerese and uh, be able to talk to talk and walk to walk and try to be able to you, to you know at least communicate with them very good. But um, you know, it it's really helpful when we can have that good relationship with the engineers because they deliver much smoother roads when we do that. Yeah. Yeah. If they want to confuse you, they just throw an algorithm up on the <laughs> exactly. board and just like, whoa. Yeah. 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 I can't figure that out. Something squared, square root this. And they love yeah, their, they know. love their, you know, little letter. What do they, what do you call those? Um, oh, there's a word for them. Um, you know, kind of like what Ragbri is, you know, it's a, Ah, the name escapes me right now, and it's going to come to me. Mnemonics, uh, not yeah. mnemonics. Um, it, it, gosh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Anyway, it's it's one of those, you know, like those abbreviations that spell out that words. spell out words. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 it's not really a word, but it's a yeah. A, you know what I mean? So, so, so we got a couple pieces of legislation that we're working on, and I'll probably you know. This will change. Uh, this is this is what they call the sausage making of politics. You don't know where things are going to end, uh, but we definitely know where things started. The big one this week was uh, um, a hands-free requirement for using cell phones. Sure. Um, I've been with you. I know you use hands-free all the time because yeah. uh, you just Bluetooth it into the into the car, and it makes it really easy. Um, 
And so Senator Lofgren over in Muscatine mm-hmm. um, has filed a bill uh, to do that. Um, <clears throat> now, I, I will say distracted driving is distracted driving, whether or not you're, you're hands-free or not. Uh, there's still an element of multitasking that makes things difficult. Sure. But um, it does make it a little more difficult. Um, and uh, it also, holding that handset up uh, to your ear, um, anytime an officer sees a handset up in the air, whether you're talking on the phone or whether or not you're uh, um, texting or whatever, you know, that's cause to be able to pull you over. Sure. So a little higher level of enforcement we see from this this particular law. And anything that we can do to combat uh, uh, distracted driving is something that we're going to be for. So yeah. it passed a Senate subcommittee, the transport, or it passed a Senate subcommittee, and it passed the Senate Transportation Committee, which makes it eligible to go in front of the full Senate for debate. Um, if it passes the Senate, it gets kicked over to the House to start the process again, subcommittee, committee, uh, uh, House debate, and then to the governor for a signature. So we're going to continue to coalition build and work on this one and try to find a bunch of partners that want to uh, to help us out on this because I think uh, tackling some of the distracted driving, not just good for bicyclists, good for, good for everybody. I see that. Yeah. I see that in a lot of states uh, when I'm traveling, and I see that you know no no you know must be hands free device, which I, mm-hmm. I totally agree. It's it's would cut down on that distractive driving. And I, I think yeah. it's not just cell phone use. I mean, even I mean, even listening to the radio. I mean, I get some Guns N' Roses coming on, and I'm like, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm driving 75 miles an hour real quick, and it's like, wow, we're in a 35, you know. So yeah, so there yeah. there are things that can distract you in, in other ways besides typing in a number or scrolling through your, you know, Spotify to, f- to find the right tune. So, um Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, driving with your dog oh. or applying makeup or eating food. I mean, they're all not good. They're all distractions. Yep. And so we're not going to be able to tackle each yeah. and every one. But that's of them, a big but one. That's a big one. You get that. But it's a big one. You get that one tackled. I think I think things are going to be moving in the right direction. So applaud yeah. the effort. Yeah. So so big thanks to Senator Lofgren over there in Muscatine. We're going to continue to work with him. There's also a couple bills that we're working on the change lanes to pass. We're, we're reaching an impasse like usual. Um, there's some senators that want to require high visibility clothing. Um, yeah, we're not down with that. Yeah. Um, it just, it, it's, it, don't get me wrong. We want people to be visible and we want to encourage people to wear bright clothes when they're out biking, especially in low light situations uh, where they need to be seen. But making a law is, is just, it's liability shifting. Um, and it's uh, just creates this whole big problem um, about whether or not uh, you need to keep a lookout. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we're continuing to work on that issue and continuing to work on that issue. And we're not going to let that issue go away because we think bicyclists should be able to be on the roads and pass yeah. safely. Yeah. I think that's something that we can all agree on. Well, I think even um, just the, so, the, you know, the clothing issue and all that. I mean, I'm driving down the road the other day and there's a guy walking a dog and he's in a like all black, black dog. Mm-hmm. Like if I didn't hit the dog's um, eyes with the with the lights, I don't think I would have even seen the guy. Um, yeah. But I don't think there should be a law legislating that that guy, you know, he's out walking, you know, or, or riding a bike or, or whatever, that we should be legislating that he needs to be wearing this. Now, 
Yeah. You know, he's that, got a personal responsibility. Yeah, yeah. So don't let's not pick on cyclists. I mean, there's all kinds of hazards out there. And sure. so let's let's not legislate laws. Yes, common sense will dictate you want to be lit up like a Christmas tree if you're out there riding a bike. And I think most people in those situations are going to be doing that. Um, but let's not make it criminal of, of what you're what you're wearing. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, so, yeah, that's I mean, pretty straightforward. Um, and uh, we're going to continue to work on those things. Um, and we'll see what happens. We've got a couple weeks left before the funnel date that comes up at the end of the month, about March 1st or so. Uh, that's a self-imposed deadline where the legislature says, okay, we're not going to consider any bills that haven't made it through at least a committee. Hmm. Um, and then there's a second funnel date a month down the road that uh, uh, does the same thing. So that works out uh, fine just to kind of winnow things down a little bit. Funnel date. That sounds like a like a frat party or something like that back in, you know, funneling beers and you get a date. I mean, that, right. yeah, I'm sure it's a little different connotation than that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Just checking. Yeah. So let's see. This is Super Bowl's done. We've got route announcement done. Must be time for bacon. It is. Uh, this weekend, uh, if you're listening to this and wondering what the date is, it's Bacon Festival weekend. Uh, this is an opportunity for us to promote some of the events that we got coming up, like the Bacon Ride, Pigtails Ride, Big Rove, um, and and that little ride that Brooks is doing up there in Minnesota, uh, Paul's, Paul's Bacon, Bacon Ride. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so uh, we kind of staff up one of the bars there. We're also doing a 50-50 raffle. Ooh. Um, the Iowa Bicycle Coalition has a raffle license, so we're going to see if we can raise some money and give some money away to somebody for uh, uh, for a raffle. Very cool. cool. Yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I always love Bacon Fest. see so many people from all, all walks of life. And, yeah, you know, we, we tell them about, you know, if you're going to eat all that bacon, you might want to, you know, get on the bicycle and, you know, yeah. make it a little bit more calorie neutral. But um, mm-hmm. but it's always a fun crowd, and, you know, you get your bacon overload. Um, but bacon and biking really do go along pretty well. So, um, yeah, yeah, it'll be fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to this weekend. Cool. Yeah, and um, eventually we're going to put this route out. We've been working real hard, been going to lots of meetings all throughout the state. Um, I, I tell you what, we, we just had a meeting the other night in Keokuk, and we hadn't been in Keokuk in – 27 years and you you really got to want to go down to Keokuk because it's it's the southernmost point um in in all of in all of Iowa so um but but we went there we walk in the door and I I usually jest with with Scott Garner I'm like so what do you figure what are we gonna have 10 15 at this meeting you know and we walk in and there's like mm-hmm. 50 to 60 people in there. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, holy smokes. Didn't expect that. And so they're ready. So, yeah, I mean, I think every town is super excited. But I mean, that one just blew us away. Just wow. You know, just just a level of excitement walking into that room and and the energy of of Keokuk and just not having Ragbri in a long, long time, so uh, you mm-hmm. could you could cut the uh, excitement, you know, no no doubt with with a fork and, and a knife, and I mean it was thick. The excitement was thick there. So uh, cool. looking forward to that. That's going to be a great ending town, and you know all the towns are progressing well. Uh, we've had numerous meetings already with them, but I just I just thought that one I, I just wanted to point out that uh, 
there's some rumors out there. Oh, let's. Why do we? We're gonna hit the river in Burlington. We don't need to go to Keokuk. Oh, oh boy, you want to be? You want to yeah. be all the way down? Uh, it's not a full ride, cool. Brian, unless you do all the towns. So, very cool. Yeah, yeah, we're excited. Cool. So let's. Um, what, what else you got going on? So this this last weekend, I went up to uh, Cedar Falls to Doy Joy's Pizza Joint. Um, and, um, they had the Iowa gravel expo and bike party, mm. um, which was pretty cool. Uh, guitar Ted, who's been on this show, he's the guy that runs trans Iowa. Okay. Um, he, uh, kind of emceed this event and, and put it together and it was all these kind of ride slash race directors from all over the state that do gravel events and to talk about gravel riding and things like that. And, and, uh, it was pretty cool to see all the disciplines out there and, and all the kind of the different sort of grassroots things that are happening in that gravel spectrum. Um, and I think that's going to be cool and that's going to be something to watch. You know, one of the things uh, I talked to him about was, uh, was trying to do an economic impact study mm-hmm. on those events. So People for Bikes has that great template out uh, that help you measure your events and what the participant spending is and things like that. Well, this gives us that opportunity to kind of look at that and say, you know, how do we quantify what what gravel means to Iowa? And is this something that uh, we should be investing in from a tourism perspective, uh, either locally or on a statewide basis? Um, And and can Iowa kind of plant its flag in this? So um, I thought it was a great conversation. Hats off to the folks, uh, Dave Roll and uh, and Mark Stevenson, Guitar Ted. Um, and a lot of the other people up there uh, who who were kind of preaching the gravel co- uh, chorus, if you want. Um, and I think we have Todd Young, who runs the IC Gravel Ride event. Um, I think he's coming on the show this week with Murph. Yeah, that's what I hear. Yeah. That'll be good. Uh, t- Todd's a great guy. He's a He's kind of a big guy like me, so we all look out for each other and... Uh, um, he's just a kind of a fantastic, happy human being. And, we like uh, we people need, like need that. Need more Todd Youngs in this world. Yeah, we we definitely do. That's good. We like yeah. we like folks like that. So, well, good. I'm, I'm looking forward to listening to Murph's interview with with Todd. And um, you know, we're always looking for you know the 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 right person to you know any anytime you got that that cool message out there don't be afraid you know just just drop us a line say hey you know you might want yeah. to talk to this person or they're doing some really cool things in cycling in this area so we're always looking for neat ideas so don't be afraid to give us a jingle give us an email knock on our door whatever it takes we'll we'll get to it cool yeah let's get to the interview with, with todd young and aka murph Hello, Just Go Bike Podcast listeners, a.k.a. Murph here with another Murphology just for you. Uh, today, I am live and in person with a guy that's been on the podcast a couple times. His name is Todd Young. Hi, Todd. Good morning. And he has talked in the past about uh, gravel bike riding, gravel racing, super interesting topics. But we have a different topic today, don't we, Todd? Yeah, you know, uh one of the things that I've been doing actually longer than the gravel is I've uh, been involved in triathlons. Mm-hmm. 
And so um, I thought it would be good, or we thought it would yeah. be good to get on the podcast because um, he's got a great story on his journey to go from cycling to multi-sport. And um, I'm just going to toot your horn right away here. Okay. 2018, Todd Young completed a Ironman. I almost put the F word in there. <laughs> a freaking Ironman. So... Um, well, and you know, I have a body made for radio, so people may not understand <laughs> how big of an accomplishment or how, how, uh, how strange it is to see a guy like me that actually has, uh, accomplished that goal. Well, with that said though, I think the pool of human beings that have completed, finished an Ironman is not very big. So that in itself is just amazing. So congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, I did. I don't know if this is called stalking, but when you, um, do an Ironman, you have a race number, and then people can follow you online, and I followed you. I'm I'm uh, always being told, hey, man, I was, I was following you on the day. <laughs> great, great job, you know. Um, and really, I knew that part of it. I yeah. knew a lot of people were following me, but it is, uh, is one of the reasons why I'm here to talk about triathlon is because it does add to the community. It's really cool to hear how many people supported me and maybe how many people were affected by part of my journey yeah and all the armchair supporters like i'm literally watching going okay come on man you got it you got it y- yeah you, you have less than a marathon to run which in anybody else's mind you know a marathon is mind-blowing well in run is kind of a generous term for what i did with my <laughs> uh my marathon on that but uh you know it, when i got back we we have what we call slack which is a messaging board that we have with our our team and I got to see my race broken down minute by oh, minute nice. by a bunch of my teammates, you know, talking about like, whoa, what do you suppose is supposed to happen here? And some discussion about, well, when I did my Ironman and I was at that point. Sure. Uh, and it was just so so much fun to go back and relive it through that. Yeah. Well, let's back up for uh, listeners out there who maybe don't understand the um, how huge an Ironman is. Um, so you completed it. It was it September? Uh, it was actually November. So okay, it was the weekend so, before oh, Thanksgiving. So you're probably still sore from that. <laughs> Mentally, mentally, I'm yeah. still sorry. <laughs> well, uh, let us know, let the listeners know exactly what an Ironman is, because um, it's a triathlon. People may or may not know that, but uh, tell us a little bit about what it is and about your race day. Okay. Well, Ironman's actually a brand of the World Triathlon Corporation, um, but is also synonymous with a certain distance of triathlon, which is where you attempt to do a 2.4-mile swim, followed by a 112-mile bike, and capped off by a marathon, which is 26.2 miles or 146 point, 140.6 miles total. And that's all in one day. That's all in one day. You know, <laughs> right. uh, it, for me, that took me just under 16 hours to complete. Um, I'm going to say there's some, there's, I think eight hours is about like where the, the tip of the spear is. So um, you have 17 hours total to complete it. Uh, if you don't do it past then you are, they don't call you as an Ironman as you come across the, uh, the finish line. Okay. So there is a cutoff there. You got cutoffs as you're doing, attempting your swim and bike and stuff like that. So, um, so you start at dark and you end in the dark. Kind you're, of, you're, lining, you're lining up for the swim and it's dark out and about sunrise is when they sh- shoot off the cannon wow. for the pros to go. Uh, yes, I finish in the dark. <laughs> Uh, I would finish in the dark if it was like June 21st and the longest day in the world, but, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a long day. So tell us a little bit about that day as far as, um, you know, I'm just the planning. I mean, obviously training is a big part of it, but the planning of that specific day, because you've got to have, 
you know, and forgive me for saying this because you're a guy, but you've got to have outfits for each <laughs> segment sure. and you've got to be able to, you know, keep your mind about you like, okay, now I need to put shoes on for the bike or now I need to put shoes on for the uh, run. Yeah. You know, um, once you've done all that training and, you know, my, my training actually started a year ahead of time. Wow. Um, I formalized training probably six months ahead where I had like certain workouts to do and everything like that. But, uh, every little bit of that is an opportunity to ruin six months worth of work. Mm -hmm. So you get a little obsessive about the details. Um, you don't have to people. There's other athletes that are not that way. They're just like, Hey, I'm going to show up on the day and I'm going to figure it out and more power to them. We love them out there. But, uh, for somebody like me, that's like, Hey, you know what? I may only have an hour to deal, you know, to, to work with if something goes wrong. I want to make sure I know how to change my tire. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure that when I, um, choose a set of shoes that I've ridden 112 miles in them, or that my knees won't get really, really sore after um, a half marathon and know I have just that much further to go when right, I'm running. Right. So, yeah, you get a little obsessive about your gear choices and um, you get obsessive about knowing exactly where what's going to be available to you uh, as you go along. Um, Ironman actually allows you to have a drop bag both at the, um, not only at the transitions where you're going from event to event, but halfway through the bike and halfway through the uh Oh, so it's like temperature changes or you need something different or... Yeah, you know, so um, I particularly, I'm trying to do more whole foods with my training and everything like that. So I really enjoy using apple cider instead of of sports drink. Um, So, you know, when I got to my half, halfway through the bike and halfway through the run, had a nice cold bottle of uh, apple cider sitting there for me and uh, stuff that you can kind of look forward to to kind of keep you mentally going forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah. you know, so yeah, it is. A, it's a. It's partly a logistical, a logistics thing. So you, the whole time you're out there, that gives you something to kind of concentrate on, not sure. just like, hey, I need to put one foot in front of the other. Uh, it's like, hey, what do I need to do to keep going? Mm-hmm. What do I need to do to feed my fuel my body? What do I need to do to to keep my spirits up? What do I need to do to convince myself every step that mm-hmm. I'm going to finish? So I um, have never done an Ironman. It's it's come into the back of my head before, but I've done. Um, you should do it. <laughs> now, was that out loud or was that in my head? I, I don't know. <laughs> so I've done dozens of sprint triathlons. So sprints are the mini version, like almost like a starter try, where um, I might swim for 500 yards and then bike for 15 to 20 miles and then run a 5K. Um, but like uh, in between each event, it's called transition. And those are when you have such a small race you know, not very much time, those kind of are deal breakers or, you know, they can get you from podium to not podium. Absolutely. You know, I mean, um, typical time for a sprint triathlon is maybe an hour and a half, maybe mm-hmm. up to two. Uh, really, really fast people can maybe get it done in under an hour. Those really, really fast people, you know, you think about that under an hour. Um, if you spend an extra two minutes mm-hmm. in each transition, that's four minutes. That's right. like that's a big, that's almost 10% of your race time. Right. Um, so you, uh, triathletes do some weird things like they, uh, they don't wear socks, mm-hmm. you know, because of the extra the time, time to take, this, <laughs> take the socks on and off. Uh, a lot of us wear, uh, tri suits, which are, uh, basically big one piece swimsuits that have a, a bike chamois already put in them so that we don't have to change clothes as we go through. Oh, I see. So then you wear it the entire event. You just wear sure. it the entire event. Sure. Um, you know, and, uh, some of those really, really long events, you know, 
the call of nature comes and they just uh, they just release themselves right there on the bike. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, I never got to that level of uh, skill <laughs> myself. I didn't figure that it was worth the time. So. There are tons of articles on that very topic. Now I've never gotten into it. Yeah, I and don't. learned about it, but. <laughs> I am definitely not. So one of the things you can do at this Ironman distance is uh, qualify for the the Kona mm-hmm. competition, which is the world championship. Uh, and it's about five people per age bracket at each race that qualify for that. So it's actually something that people tend to really, really work hard for mm-hmm. uh, that aren't professional triathletes. Uh, and I, I could see that maybe them that finally making that <laughs> <laughs> making that determination go like, this is the one I pee on myself for. <laughs> And I do have to give a shout out to J-Lo, Jenny Lorenz, because she has done Kona, made it to Kona and done it several times. Um, And I've interviewed her her on the past about triathlons, but shout out to J-Lo. So um, so we kind of, you know, talked about like what it's like to train for such event, you know, like when you're talking hours and hours and hours of training. Um, How much time do you think you spend? Um. Well, you know, my peak my peak week was probably about fifteen hours of actual training, and that doesn't include, uh, you know, getting to the lake or, mm-hmm. you know, prepping my equipment or anything like that. So it was it was like a part time job, sure, to be doing that on top of uh, everything else you have going on in your life. You know, full time right. job and family, uh, family, and the whole works, the right? whole works, the mowing the lawn. You know, the triathlete's lawn <laughs> is usually the weedy one over in the corner. So. <laughs> Uh, definitely last summer, my lawn took a hit. <laughs> <laughs> well, and for me, the biggest thing about uh, any long, long event is the mental game. So how would you describe your mental game? You know, um, first thing I had to do was convince myself I could do it. Um, and that process started, like I said, a year, year and a half ahead of time where I was on vacation in Arizona, so I took the opportunity to just ride one of the bike loops. So I knew that there wasn't going to be some huge mountain climb that I couldn't get taken care of or, you know, that it was going to be... It was actually one of the hottest days in Phoenix ever. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I had to start, like, 5 o'clock in the morning and everything. But, uh, you know, I, I did that. that. That built a little confidence for me. Um, that same year in 2017, had... Uh, quite a few of my my teammates at the Iowa Heat that were doing uh, Ironman Wisconsin. So I took the opportunity all summer to not necessarily train with them because I didn't really want to slow them down with uh, with what I wanted, but I wanted to make sure I was supportive of what they were doing. And mm-hmm. it gave me kind of an inside look at to how much training really went into this, how much dedication mm-hmm. went into it. And I uh, uh, went up there and I volunteered at the race so I could see a bunch of triathletes come across, uh, hung out with their families, uh, and cheered them along and saw um, saw the good and the bad about it. You know, mm-hmm. I really uh, saw saw a lot of athletes that I train with and know really well and know their limitations and know their strengths and stuff like that. Uh, deal with that challenge. So those are some things I did. You know, I had some other races that I uh, you know attempted. I uh, did my first half marathon to make sure that I could do that. Um, uh, I did a attempted a seventy point three just to kind of get a benchmark at how far uh, how long a race would work with me. I attempted to swim across the Mississippi River last summer. Whoa! <laughs> you know, uh, didn't quite make the cutoff on the time for that for my club that I was doing that with, but uh, it was definitely a good chance to get out there and swim as far as I could. Right, right. Well, and you know, uh, just go bike is all about the social side of cycling, so I think it's important to figure out uh, what you did to celebrate. 
<laughs> well, you know what I did to celebrate? I ate carbs. It was uh, the weekend before Thanksgiving, and uh, Thanksgiving feast was definitely had. So. Nice. <laughs> and what would you say, uh, like, what are a couple things that kept you motivated that day? Um, you know, really, uh, a big thing was is I made it very public that this is something I was going to attempt to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people came through and supported me. The, 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 the amount of support that I have in my life at this time is... is uh, humbling, mm-hmm. you know, um, have people that were willing to go out and run with me at five o'clock in the morning on the track or spend Sunday morning before church, their church services to come out and run half marathon with me just mm-hmm. to run that distance. Um, you know, and then the kind words and the fact that I knew they would be following me. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I, I accomplished myself was I actually lost 140 pounds from my heaviest weight. Wow. And I kind of put a little brag post out there on a group they call a Pathetic Triathletes Group <laughs> on uh, Facebook and literally got thousands of likes on that and hundreds of uh, well wishes and encouraging words. And, you know, I knew they'd be following me on that day. Yeah. Um, so even when I wanted to quit, I knew they didn't want me to quit. Mm-hmm. So that kind of kept me going that day. Awesome. Well, that kind of segues us into, um, you talked to me before we started recording about uh, your passion to talk to people to become beginner triathlons. So uh, describe what it's like to go from beginner to competing, completing Ironman Arizona, and then uh, give us some insight into what you're doing for other people. You know, when I first started my my triathlon career, it was a sprint triathlon right out here at Lake uh, Corva Lake, and you know I wasn't sure I could finish the 500-yard swim. I wasn't, I couldn't run a 5K. I walked a lot of it, um, you know, and I had to really kind of focus on what I was putting in my body and teach myself to swim efficiently, and you know just really challenge myself to go out and train other than just go out and ride my bike for fun. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I really appreciated. One of the reasons why I chose triathlon is because they have a uh, Clydesdale slash Athena category, which is based on weight, which means that, uh, you know, people that are not traditional, uh, traditional body types for athletics Mm -hmm. or especially speed (laughs) running fast, uh, have a little bit of acknowledgement and a little bit of a place there that they've, they've built into it, into Mm -hmm. each event, um, I've only been on the podium once. I took second in an Olympic triathlon, but nice. there were only two Clydesdales there that day. So <laughs> You don't have to say that part. <laughs> well, you know, uh, but it does feel good that, you know, we're recognized for being out there. We're, we're considered one of the athletes and, um, you know, and a little bit acknowledging how much, um, a little bit of a different challenge. Everybody has a challenge when they're doing a triathlon. Every, mm-hmm. every athlete is out there working their best. So uh, that's one of the things I enjoyed about it. And in through that process of going from sprint distance to Olympic, um, I had a, a, a workmate that said, hey, you know what? I'd like to do a triathlon, mm. you know, and uh, she was a half marathoner and everything. So um, we kind of set a bet for the Iowa, Iowa State game uh, where she would have to wear the Iowa hat for her run. And we chose <laughs> to go do an Olympic triathlon together. And through that process, you know, I helped her figure out how to become more of an efficient swimmer. I taught her a little bit about what she might need to be able to put in her body on that day and what equipment choices she should make. And I was so proud of her when she came across that finish line that I realized that was much more fulfilling than if I'd just gone out and done the race myself. Nice, nice. So um, 
at that point, I reached out to Iowa Heat, which is our local triathlon endurance club here, and said, hey, you know what? I'd really like to start a beginner's group within that club to encourage beginners to kind of come out and feel like they have a have some help doing their first triathlon. Um, that went pretty well. And then the next spring, I reached out to the city of Corville, Parks and Rec, and we actually did a formal class. Oh, okay. Where... Every week I go through the first three weeks, you see all st- in, stuff in the pool, and then we go through like the transitions as we talked about, um, what the feeling is when you have biked so- a certain distance and then try to run and all that kind of stuff. So every week we have something that we kind of um, cover to help them feel more comfortable when they do their first race. They're still responsible for doing all the training. Right. I'm not their coach <laughs> or anything like that. I don't prescribe workouts for them, but... Uh, we definitely all get together and kind of uh, learn together and, and have a good time. And is this uh, for adults or kids or anyone? Uh, um, 16 plus. Okay. You know, so, and you got to be able to swim one length of the pool is one, the only requirement I put out there um, and have a bike or borrow a bike or be able to get onto a bike. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talk about gear and triathletes love their gear. I love my gear. Um, but really when it comes down to it, you need a bike, you need a swimsuit. You need a set of running shoes. Right. <laughs> you right. know, uh, and you get to go out and do all the fun things that you did when you were a kid in the summer. You get to go hang out at the pool. Right. You get to go out and ride your bike with your friends. Right. You get to go out and run around. Right. So, um, so yeah, that was something that I kind of felt my calling to um, give back to triathlon in that way because it's given me so much. Um, because, like I said, I'm never going to be at the tip of the spear. Maybe, maybe someday. I can't ever say never, but... Um, it was definitely someplace that I felt like I could kind of give back. And through that program, we've gotten dozens of triathletes through their first triathlon. Mm-hmm. And is that does that program still exist? It does. You know, we're, we're going to come up on it here in March. I know it seems really early to start thinking about training. It's, yeah, you're never, uh, never too early. But as a uh, triathlete, that's a great time to get out there and get in the pool. The pool's, you, you know, usually heated. <laughs> <laughs> so you can get out there and get warm and work on some technique and get confident in your swim and um, that actually starts uh, mid-March is when we're going to start that class again. Um, you know, and there's other things for beginners that we do here locally in, in Corville. And um, I've always found Corville Parks and Rec to be very supportive of the bicycles and be getting out and getting people active. Um, but all, we also have this uh, the club I mentioned, which is uh, Iowa Heat, which is our local truck club. You can just go to their website, which is iaheat.org, and uh, sign up for their Try a Try Mentor program. What they'll do is they'll take a club member to uh, become your mentor. They're there to answer any questions you have, like, um, you know, if you're not like willing to sign up for a class or wanting to commit to every Saturday morning with me. Um, it's a great resource for somebody that has a little bit of knowledge, wants to be there and answer your questions and maybe cheer you on for that first triathlon. Awesome. So we've got Iowa Heat and then, of course, with uh, Corville Parks and Rec, um, at least for people that are in the Johnson County area. Maybe maybe people will start driving from all over to come to your class. Yeah, you know, I had some people come down from Cedar Rapids last year. There you go. You See? Know, so. Yeah. And I know uh, for my very first sprint triathlon, I did take a class similar to what you're describing, and it made all the difference in the world when, you know, they would say, you know, you're putting your, your face in the water too deep or not deep enough or kick more when you swim. Just little things that you don't notice because all you're doing is trying to get the time in so it was it was invaluable yeah you know I mean I, I had a coach this year for my swim that uh you know I did a few ses- sessions with just because we want to be as efficient as we can mm-hmm. just because you can do something doesn't mean you can't do you can't do it better yeah 
Ooh, well, that should be the quote of the day, huh? There you go. There's your, <laughs> there's your new, new Murph one for next year, next week. Well, would you say cycling is still part, like a big part of your recreational life? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, um, triathlon's really neat for cyclists because actually that's the way you spend most of your time doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you're training for longer events, the, the riding is actually what you get to do the most of. So for a cyclist, that's kind of being right in our wheelhouse that's where Mm -hmm. we want to be you know we want to be out there on the cycle enjoying stuff um you know i spend a lot of time cycling with friends and uh you know doing the gravel stuff Mm -hmm. uh ride rag bry all the time so really for me triathlon is on top of my cycling not so much of a replacement for my sure and the nice thing about cycling is that you can put as little or as much effort into it you know if you're just on a social ride or with your kids you can coast along at eight miles an hour and still stay upright and still have a great time. Or you can be down in your uh, bars, try bars, and be going 25 miles an hour. Not yeah. me, not me, but people can. <laughs> There's always a downhill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on the downhill. <laughs> Perfect, yeah. Well, um, speaking of cycling and triathlons, what outdoor activities uh, or adventures do you have on the schedule for 2019? I know you were talking about, sorry. No, that's fine. Bikepacking. So yeah. So you have to mention that. Well, um, so yeah, I, I've kind of just listed my, my schedule out here and kind of realized how eclectic it is, but <laughs> you know, in March I'm going to be doing a hundred mile, uh, gravel race down in Oklahoma called the Land Run 100. Oh, okay. April, I'm going to attempt the, uh, Cranick Marathon yep. here because it's a great local race that's just come, al- come along. Uh, May, I'll be doing my pig, the Pigman Sprint with my Give It a Try class. Mm-hmm. Um, Illinois, I'll be doing uh, Illinois half 70.3 triathlon, and that's with that mentee that I'm, I was talked about today. She's actually graduated, and she wants to try her for 70.3 oh, this nice. year, so we're going to yeah. do that together. Yeah. Um, in July, it's RAGBRAI. RAGBRAI. July is, yep. July is RAGBRAI for me. Um, and then right after I get back from that, the first weekend of August, we'll be doing uh, 24 Hours of Coming, which is a great event Gravel. down That's by. a gravel race, right? That's a gravel, yeah. that's a gravel race, and uh, you know we get, a, we get a team of four together to... Uh, try to conquer 400 kilometers of uh, gravel through over a 24-hour period. Um, and then, you know what? Camp Courageous Try is actually that same weekend. So I'll be oh, doing yeah. that. I'll be doing 24 hours of coming for Friday, Saturday, and then Sunday. I'll be going up and doing <laughs> uh, Camp Courageous Try. So that's going to be a challenging weekend. Um, Mid-August, I'm going to do a 10,000-meter swim over in Michigan called uh, Swim to the Moon, which is like swimming through four or five lakes and then back. 10,000 meters? Yeah, so it's a 10k. That's 6.1 miles or 6.2 miles. Oh my! So wow. Yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be a big uh, big challenge for me. And then uh, we were talking about bike camping. For me, the fall is when I really enjoy bike camping. So uh, I always do Fargo Sub 48, which is a great uh, weekend event that I go over to Michigan and do. This year, hopefully, we'll be doing it up in the uh, Upper Peninsula. Um, I tend to go out and try to find a weekend where I can get out by myself or with just a couple friends to do bike camping. Um, I would like to give a shout out to the World of Bikes Adventure Series, which uh, every month this year are going to have a, a camping event where they'll take you out for a sub 24 where you oh, can nice. meet at the shop, go out, camp for the night and come back. And uh, they're actually going to start that in March and go all the way through October. Oh, so fun. lots and lots of opportunities to go out and enjoy a little camping with your friends on a bike. Yeah. And for those who don't know, bike packing means... You take everything that you're going to need for the day and night and next day and put it on your bike. Yep. So you know you want to. If you want warm food, you got to bring a stove. If you mm-hmm. want to, if you want to have a fire that night, you probably should bring bring your own wood. Bring your own wood. <laughs> you know, maybe you can find it there. Um, 
you know, but it's it's a it's a great in bike camp bike packing maybe is a little different than bike touring in my mind. Mm-hmm. Bike packing tends to be like, hey, let's go find some kind of more out of the way places. Mm-hmm. We'll go down on some gravel, maybe even find some single track or yeah. you know, back through a field or something like that. It's kind of it's less about finding a Casey's or a bar or a restaurant. It's more about getting into the getting it, into nature. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a great way. It's it's like yeah, it's a little bit like the difference maybe between hitchhiking and actually bike uh, uh backpacking through oh yeah you know the national forest or something like that so it's a little more lean towards uh, a little more roughing it than uh you know um, maybe touring where you're going to ride your bike from town to town and find a hotel every night mm-hmm. well todd you've got quite a list of events coming up and they're all like different <laughs> you know you've got to run you've got to swim you've got to try you've got a little everything yeah you know that's one of the things i love about uh having the triathlon on top of the biking. Um, my goal is not necessarily being the best bicyclist or the best swimmer or anything, but just to have functional functional fitness where yeah. you can go out and you can try to do different things. Um, my young son, he's in uh, hockey right now. So le- recently I've been out trying to learn how to play <laughs> hockey, you know, uh, and really enjoying the, the benefits that, you know, some of the strength and mm-hmm. cardiovascular fitness that doing these long events has given me. Um, because you're not going to be good at hockey the first time you try it. I, right. I'm going to hate to buy it, break it to anybody. But, <laughs> uh, you know, at least it gives you the, the feeling that you can do anything you set your mind to. Um, so I'm really trying to enjoy all that and, and uh, keep my schedule as eclectic as possible. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Todd, for being on the podcast. And hopefully you've motivated somebody who's listening because you definitely have motivated me to, like, figure out my next thing that yeah. I'm going to do. Yeah. It, it definitely doesn't have to be Iron Man, but definitely in, yeah. try to find out um, something that piques your interest that maybe scares you. Maybe scares you Ooh, a little bit. Okay. You know, get out of that comfort zone, whether it's uh, going out and finding a 100K uh, gravel event or um, half Iron or mm-hmm. half uh, 70.3 triathlon mm-hmm. or uh, open water swim point to point or big shoulders yeah. or something like that yeah. to just... Uh, Something you're not quite sure you could finish is a really great feeling when you get done with it. Right. And then, like you said, recruiting friends to come, you know, help you and mentor. And so hopefully all my friends who are listening, you guys might be in for a a treat. Yeah, there you go. You know, that's what's (laughs) advice to some beginners of things you got to do is just, you know, take it one step at a time. You know, you want to uh, go out and find a couple of friends. You want to tell them your goal so that they yeah. keep you honest. Maybe they'll join you on it. Yeah. You know, and uh, another great thing about sprint triathlons, there's usually a team division. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted to, if you're really interested in doing a triathlon, but you're like, hey, there's no way I want to be on a bicycle because I got a bad hip or something like mm-hmm. that. You could you could swim. Let your friends bike and run for you. Mm-hmm. And you still get to go out and enjoy it. Um Another little piece of advice for beginners is maybe just go out there and volunteer. Volunteering is very rewarding, um, you know, and it really gives you a chance to see how everybody deals with everything, Mm -hmm. see how it's ran, you know, from the other side, Mm -hmm. uh, and really kind of gives you a a chance to evaluate it uh, without having to actually go out and do all the training and everything like that. Yeah. Well, and it's motivating to see everybody else, you know being athletes and getting you know they can do it i can do it too well and you got that karma working for you so when you go out and attempt your first (laughs) one you're like karma's in the bank everybody's gonna help me out here (laughs) well and like you mentioned telling somebody your goal 
is pretty effective. And I remember it was on this podcast. I was talking with TJ and Mark, our, our hosts, yeah. and they were kind of like, oh, what do you have you know, on your agenda for 2018? And I told it right there that I was going to complete my first marathon. And I can't tell you how many times during training when I'm like, I said it on the podcast, I have to do it. And I did it. There you so, go. Well, I wish I had something to say right now, like, I'm going to do a blah, blah, blah. Well, we'll get together after we turn off the microphone. Okay. We'll figure out a goal for Perfect, you. perfect. Well, thanks again, Todd. All right. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. We'll just go bike podcast listeners. I leave you with a quote from the unwritten book of Murphology. This quote comes from Murphy's Law. It's impossible to make anything foolproof because fools are so ingenious. Think about it. Well, we've come to the end of another edition of the Just Go Bike Podcast. Appreciate you tuning in each and every week. We really do appreciate it. And this, this podcast has been going on for a long time, over 100 episodes, and we're still clicking along. But we couldn't possibly do that without amazing support from our sponsors. And Mark, who are those sponsors? We've got Bikes to You, one of the best uh, rag bright charters and bike shops over in Grinnell, Iowa. Um, if you're looking for women's clothing, uh, first stop there is in Grinnell. Check out April Cooper's selection of awesome stuff. Uh, she wears it. She rides it. She knows it. Bikes to you in Grinnell, Iowa. Uh, Think Iowa City and its curious surrounding communities landing another edition of Jingle Cross World Cup Cyclocross Racing. And uh, just a great place to uh, to ride. So if you're looking you know, for some fat bike, if you're looking for some gravel, if you're looking for some trails, if you're looking for single track, if you're looking for road, it's all right here over at Think Iowa City. Um, and then finally, Primal Wear. If you're seeking to get custom bike jerseys, shorts, uh, other apparel items, look no further than PrimalWear.com. Uh, Tim, Dave, all the other people over there at Bikes to You, Jenny and Jake, who are my reps, uh, they do a fantastic job to make sure that you get your order right, get it on time, and get some really cool design stuff. So check out primalware.com. Yeah, they do amazing work. So I'll tell you a quick story. We came back from the Iowa Bike Expo, mm-hmm. and we unveiled our Hawaiian shirts there, uh-huh. the Ragbri Hawaiian shirt. And... I'm not joking. We sold out of a handful of sizes that we were assuming we would have for, you know, the spring and into the summer. And so, I mean, we immediately had to reorder them because, I mean, it was like, wow, where do I get one of those? And so the online sales that immediately followed the expo and and the day of the expo was just just monstrous nice. so if you are if you are looking for one of those you, you might have to wait a little bit to get one yeah. so so hold tight we'll get we got a reorder coming in uh primal jake's on it i'm sure yeah. and uh and all our friends over there jenny and and all our all our good yeah. friends over there so so yeah looking forward to, to seeing them in the near future and i'm not sure when that'll be but it'll be in the near future cool well cool so mark i'm gonna see you probably tomorrow at, at bacon fest and as we get ready, we'll have a booth. If you are going to Bacon Fest, please come by and say hello to us. Yeah. We we would enjoy chatting a little biking and or bacon, either one. We're fluid in both. Um, but stop by, say hello. Uh, also, a uh, parrot will be out there. Um, so it'll be me, Marky Mark, and, and parrot. So three okay. out of the four key players. No, AK Murph's, Murph. Murph's going to be there too. 
Murph is coming. Yeah. So the entire podcast team yeah. will be there. in one room. I mean, it's in one room. It's a national security issue that we got to really. I I did not know that. I thought we had to put the vice president in a different room or something. We like should that, call just Brian Powers and tell him he's the <laughs> designated survivor, just in case. Okay, there you go. Designated survivor. I like that. Very cool. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure chatting with you each and every week, and hopefully you'll tune in next week. I'm not sure what we got coming down the road, but you know what? It's always it's always a pleasure to be talking to you about what's going on in the Midwest, what's going on in, in Iowa. And uh, we're, we're going to start talking to some of these towns as they get a little bit further down the way. So I know a lot of people have been saying, hey, when are you going to start bringing the towns on for a podcast? So that is to come. And we've got some really cool announcements in the very near future. So any words to leave our listeners with today, Mark? Yeah, when it freezes and thaws like this, fenders are your friend. Just go bike. Yeah. Thanks again for listening. Let us know what you think of the show by leaving a rating and a review. They really help us out a lot and help others find the show. For more information, check out justgobike.net. The show's theme song was written, produced, and performed by Ryan Steer.